Welcome to the Gerald Brooks Leadership Podcast, a deep dive into biblical leadership with pastor and author, Dr. Gerald Brooks. Hi, this is Gerald Brooks. Thank you so much for joining me for today's podcast. In just a minute, I'm going to talk to you about leading by reflecting. This lesson is going to be very helpful to so many of you. I think you're going to enjoy it a whole lot. But before I do, I want to remind you that on January 19th and then January 27th, we will begin our new set of roundtables. Again, this material is totally new. January 19th, we will be in Plano, Texas. January 27th, we will be in Seattle, Washington. Now, last year, we did 40 leadership events. We reached over 7,500 pastors. And during that time, it was just remarkable what God was able to do. And this year, I believe we're going to reach more. We'll have a similar number of events, about 40 plus, and we want to invite you to come. There's power being in the room. When you're in the room, things happen. When you're in the room, things change. There's something about being in a room where people are wanting to learn, where there's leaders that are growing, and you put that together and it creates a catalyst for an explosive atmosphere. So January 19th, Plano, Texas. January 27th is Seattle, Washington. You can go to my website, Gerald Brooks Ministries, and you can sign up for uh, both of those. And so I want to encourage you to do that. The Power of Reflecting. I've told this story before that I was listening to a Harvard Business Review podcast. It was pretty intriguing to me because it was about a psychologist. Now, this psychologist's specialty was CEOs of Fortune 500 companies. So he's dealing with the top echelon of leaders in the business world. And In there, he is just talking about the things that make them tick, how they're wired, the uniqueness of them. But at the very, very end, the interviewer asked this question, what is the one thing that you would say would distinguish a good CEO from a bad CEO? When the interviewer asked that question, I immediately thought this is a very technical answer, but The psychologist responded, he said, oh, that's simple, reflection. He says, the leaders that reflect are the good ones. The ones that don't are the bad ones. That just hit me, and it set me off on a journey, because the Bible spends a lot of time talking about reflection, but it doesn't necessarily use that word. In the Bible, it talks about pausing, and it uses the word selah. Throughout the Psalms, there's this term interjected, selah, and it just means to pause. It means to consider. It means to reflect. It means to look around. It means to take the moment in and to get the value of what is happening. It's taught in Scripture as the word meditate, meditate on these things, and how that there is a a reflection quality. It's what uh, Psalm 19, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord. And so there's that. But as we're about to celebrate Christmas, probably one of the greatest examples is Mary where it says, and she pondered these things in her heart. See, 
life is so busy that if you don't build it into your life, you will not reflect. You will not reflect and you will miss a lot of value because I have this simple thought. Reflection creates revelation. Reflection creates revelation. When you take time to reflect, God gives you revelation so that you can build your life better. And so reflection is the first step to revelation. And revelation creates that opportunity for your life to begin to be better. So I want to walk you through some reflections, just some things I've been reflecting on. I've been in ministry now for 45 years. I've seen a whole lot, done a whole lot, experienced a whole lot, but I want to get the value out of it. So I sit down and I reflect. So let me give you some reflections. Number one is this. There are people better than me. Don't compete with them. Pray for them. I want you to hear that. There are people that are better than me. Don't compete with them. Pray for them. Now, please understand something. There's something I didn't say. I didn't say they're more important to me. See, in our society, we assume visual equals value. But when Paul described the body of Christ, he said, don't let the eye say to the foot. He was giving this metaphor of a body. See, people walk up to people and say, man, you have beautiful hair. Why? They can see hair. You have beautiful eyes. Why? They can see your eyes. No one walks up to you and says, that's a great pair of lungs. Or, man, your kidneys are awesome. Why don't they say that? Because your lungs and your kidneys aren't visible. But try living without your lungs. Try living without your kidneys. See, visual doesn't equal value. There are things that aren't visual that are valuable. And so when I say there's people better than me, I'm not saying they're more important to me. I'm just saying they're better than me. In fact, let me give you three individuals that are dear friends of mine that are better than me. The first one is Chris Hodges. He's a man that I admire. He's a man that I consider my friend. But when I look at Chris, he's better than me. When it comes to strategies, when it comes to systems, he is better than me. He knows how to take abstract and make concrete out of it. He knows how to take things that uh, require the connecting of dots, and he can connect them. And so I look at him and I think, wow, you know what? He's better. If I would have done half of what he's done in systems, imagine where I'd be. Another one is Dale Bronner. Dale Bronner's a dear friend of mine, but he's a better communicator than me. Why? He has a better vocabulary than me. He can use multisyllable words. I sometimes struggle with multisyllable words, but Dale is fluent. He has this natural cadence in his communication, and so he's just a better communicator than me. Another dear friend is Craig Rochelle. Craig is more creative than me. He has thought of things, and I'm going, man, I'm sure in heaven Jesus is looking down saying to the Father, I didn't think of that. 
see, all three of them are better than me. But here's the thing. When you see better, you don't compete with it. You pray for it. See, praying for better makes you better. Praying for better makes you better. So I pray for all three of these individuals, and I pray that they do better. And what I know is when I pray that they do better, I'm planting the seeds for me doing better. And so just because people are better doesn't mean that you can't work at being better than what you're better at. And so in the way that each one of them has something that they are better than me at, I'm sure that somehow, somewhere, there's a few things that I'm better at. And so my first reflection is, is that there are people better than me. Don't compete with them. Pray for them. See, we let ministry become too competitive. And when we see better, it bothers us. And it gets to us. And we tend to associate better as being less valuable. But better doesn't mean less valuable. It just means at that particular area, they're just better. But there's a few things you're better than. There's things that you can be your best in. And people are looking around and saying, I wished I could be better in that like they are. So understand there are people better than me. Don't compete with them. They're not my competition. But if you want to be better, pray for better because when you pray for better, it makes you better. My second reflection, there are people who've helped me. Don't forget them. Thank them. We recently celebrated our 40th anniversary as a church. Over 40 years ago, Jenny and I, my wife and I, started Grace Church. It started in a prayer that I had been praying all day, literally for six hours, and God nudged my heart and said, this is what I want you to do. But the interesting thing is, is that 40 years later, after that prayer in a park on the east side of Plano, after starting that church, there are 13 families that are with me that were there 40 years ago. There are another 63 that have been with me for 30 plus years. Our church wouldn't be here without them. So I've learned that saying thank you is important. So we had a meeting, and in that meeting, I got to stand up and thank them. I got to tell them that they're responsible for everything they see, all the lives that have impacted, all the marriages that have been improved, all the kids that were on drugs that got off, all the lost people who got saved. They get the reward of that. I wanted to thank them. See, there are people who've helped me. Don't forget to thank them. And so there are a few people in my life, my mentors, I'm always thanking them. And they push back and they say, hey, Gerald, you would have done these things no matter what. But I don't know that. So I thank the people who've been a part of my journey, who stayed close to me and have been there regardless of everything. As I said to the people at the 40th, you've had every reason to leave, but you stayed. You've heard me preach everything I know 10 times, 
with just different titles. But you stayed. And because you stayed, lives have been changed. So, there are people who've helped me. Don't forget them. Thank them. Number three, there are opportunities ahead. Don't miss them. Seize them. I am more convinced than ever that even though I've done this for a long period of time, there's still opportunities ahead. There's still occasions. There's still the, the spirit of Caleb where he said, give me this mountain, something that no one else wanted. I was praying, and one of the things that God impressed on my heart that our church was to begin to pray was that we were to begin to pray for hard places and hard people. Now, our church is based on evangelism. Psalm 2.8 is our church verse, the heathen are inheritance. We believe that God's given us lost people to reach. But here's the thing about those lost people. They're in tough places at times, and these tough places involve tough people. And it's easy to be evangelistic when it's easy places and easy people. But there's opportunities ahead, and you don't want to miss them. You want to seize them. So right now, we're in the prayer mode, and we know that God's going to commission us to go and do some things that we haven't done up to now. But there are opportunities ahead, and just don't miss them. Seize them. Number four, there are challenges of the past. Don't live in them. Learn from them. When I was reflecting, one of the things that I saw was that there are things that God has done to bring us through difficult and challenging moments. But I also know that my heart many times wants to focus on the challenge of yesterday and to let that challenge be sort of our achievement. But God is so clearly speaking to my heart that the challenges of yesterday, they're there, but that you're to learn from them, you're not to live in them. I think all of us know people who the challenges of the past are where they live. That's what they talk about. That's what they think about. That's what motivates them. That's what tends to be the conversation for them. But there's opportunities ahead, and you want to seize them. But there's challenges in the past, and you don't want to live in them. Because if you live in them, you don't see the opportunities. And so with challenges, I always want to learn. What can I learn from yesterday that will help me do something better tomorrow? So there are challenges of the past. Don't live in them. Learn from them. Number five, there are people I can help, so invest in them. You know, right now in my ministry, I am in a position where I get to help people. And helping people is a really, really interesting thing. One of my mentors made this statement. He says, everyone who wants help really doesn't want help. And everyone that wants your help, you can't necessarily help. I'm getting better at finding out who can I help. And the people that I can help, I invest in. There's about two dozen people right now that I'm really targeting investing my life in. Because they can do better than me, and they can go longer than me and further than me. 
but there's something about me that can help them succeed at what they are doing. And so there are people I can help, so I want to invest in them. I want to give my best to them. I want to target them. I want to give them anything that they need to be able to launch further in life. The next principle, there are things that don't make sense, believe in spite of them. Theology is one of those things that ministers pride themselves on. But here's the thing about theology. No matter how good your theology is, there will be events that seem inconsistent. And here's the thing. Even if those things are inconsistent, what I would say to you is don't quit believing. There are things that I believe profoundly, but if someone were to look at my life, they would say, well, why didn't that happen in your life? And I would have to say, I don't know. But it doesn't change what I believe. My beliefs are not based on my life. My beliefs are based on Jesus' life. My beliefs aren't based on what I did. My beliefs are based on what he did. And therefore, there are things that don't make sense to me, but in spite of them, in spite of them, I still believe. Number seven, there are rooms I don't belong in, but appreciate the opportunity and learn from them. You know, I have the privilege of knowing a whole lot of people that are pretty influential. And I'm invited to sit in rooms that honestly are beyond me. They're, they're greater than me. But when I get invited to one of those rooms, I don't try to fit in. I just try to learn. Have you ever seen somebody who is invited to a room that they don't belong in try to fit in it? And everyone knows they don't fit. And everyone feels the awkwardness for them. See, when you're in a room you don't belong in, here's what you do. You learn. You go out of your way and you learn from them. You appreciate the opportunity and you just learn from them. Number eight, there are people I need, so I must value them. In my life, there's about a half dozen people that I need. They are critical to my spiritual formation, my mental well-being, my ability to carry on meaningful ministry, and I value them. Every day when I leave home, I know I've left one of those individuals that I need, my wife Jenny. Without her, I wouldn't be where I am. I wouldn't have achieved anything close to what's been achieved. She made me better. I look around and I see Jesse Prince. He's the lead pastor at our church. He oversees everything. But here's the thing about Jesse. He allows me to minister to pastors. And I look at Cody Brooks, and when I look at Cody Brooks, he allows me to be on the road and yet still be connected back here. Those are three of about a half dozen people that I have to have. And the thing I can tell you about them is that I need them. And therefore, if you need someone, value them. I want them to know how important they are. 
and I want them to know that I can't do it alone. So whoever you need, value them. The next principle, there are things I've done wrong, repent of them. All of us make mistakes. As one friend said recently, everyone needs forgiveness. He so eloquently said, the only difference between us and most other people is on our bad day, we didn't get caught. There are things I've done wrong, and I want to be truly repentant of them. I want to say, God, I'm so sorry for not having lived the way I should have lived and done what I should have done. And I ask God to forgive me. And I try to put a pin in the ground and say I won't return. But I think all of us know there are places we keep returning to that we wish we would never return to. So, there are things I've done wrong. Repent of them. There are problems I face. Grow through them. You never get to a place that life's problem-free. Now, you may get to the place that problems don't throw you as much as they did when you were younger. But you never get to the place that life's just problem-free. In all of our lives, we have problems. You have problems. I have problems. All God's people have problems. But when I face a problem, it's an opportunity to grow through them. And so every day, I have growth opportunities. Every day, you have growth opportunities. Number 11, there are places that I struggle. Be honest about them. There are places that I struggle. Be honest about them. I tell people all the time that the most important person you tell the truth to is yourself. A lot of people want to stand up and say, well, I tell everyone the truth. Do you tell yourself the truth? There are places I struggle, and I have to be honest about them. I believe biblically that there are places that we don't overcome, we just run from. And Joseph in the Old Testament shows us that sometimes running from certain circumstances is the best way to manage them. I try never to put myself in certain positions. Why? Because I know I struggle them. I remember hearing Youngi Cho talk about his church in South Korea. He introduced three men. These three men all had Korean names that I wouldn't recognize. But I remember him saying, I always travel with these men, or at least three other individuals. And the reason being is I'm tempted by lust. And I thought to myself, that's the reason God could trust him. He was honest about where he struggled. Number 12, there are people who don't like me. Love them. As much as I think I'm enjoyable, there are people who don't enjoy me. And as much as I think my life Ads, there are people who don't want me adding to them. My job is to love them. My spiritual father always made this statement. He said, Gerald, 
If you don't know what to do, err on the side of love. Just err on the side of love. And then number 13, there are things I don't control. Have a good attitude regardless of them. Just have a good attitude regardless of them. I don't control things, but I do control my attitude. These are just reflection points that I've been visiting. Hopefully, they're going to be reflection points that make me better. But the whole reason for sharing this is not so that you can have my reflection points, but so you'll sit down and reflect. Because as we conclude one year and we head into the next year, reflection is a critical part of making sure that last year doesn't become your next year. That being said, I want to remind you again that on January 19th, Plano, Texas Roundtable, January 27th, the Seattle, Washington Roundtable, I will be covering Proverbs for Pastors, just simple things that will help pastors succeed. And I will be covering um, the four seasons and the life of a minister. I think they will help you. So sign up and become a part. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Gerald Brooks Leadership Podcast. If you'd like more information on Dr. Brooks's books, audio, or speaking engagements, please go to geraldbrooksministries.com.